Good morning, good day, and good night. You may have stumbled upon this podcast randomly as you browse around a graveyard full of ghouls, driving on an endless road with your killer laying in the back seat, waiting for the right opportunity to slit your throat. Or, you know, just by personal interest. However, what you may not know is what you're about to hear are extremely sinister stories. This show contains all depths of horror that lurks around our society. Kidnapping, torture, murder, you name it. Whether it's down a dark alley or from the pitch black closet in a bedroom. If it's the paranormal that haunts our surroundings, or demonic possession that needs to be cleansed, a flying saucer that hovers over our helpless world. These files are for one's understanding, but listener discretion, you are warned. If you wish to be part of the cult, <clears throat> well, not a cult, but family, <laughs> hit the five star in Apple Podcasts and subscribe to wherever you are listening. Now that you are brave enough, are you ready to open these cryptic files? Welcome to Cryptic Hotline Episode 2. I'm your host, Justin. Um, last Cryptic Hotline episode, got a lot of feedback. Um, positive and negative. Specifically about one topic in particular, uh, the Camp Tuckaway uh, theory on the Caldwell Fields murders, and one guy specifically who was the director there and who worked there the night of the murders reached out to me on social media and he wanted to set the record straight. And I wanted him to set the record straight because I want everybody to know that this podcast is not biased, it is unbiased. I am wanting everyone to express their theories, their thoughts on this case because it's been 12 years. It's been way too long. People have their one belief on what happened and they are for certain that it's true. Uh, even if their theory is far-fetched, I want to see if there is one element in that far-fetched theory to see if that one thing helps out the case, helps out the story, if that one little thing is true. So I had Roy on this episode and he set the record straight on the Camp Tuckaway conspiracy on Caldwell Field. So let's get it. Well, Roy, thank you for being on the show. I just want to say first that um, this infamous 
camp tuck away theory. I wanted to tell you that this podcast isn't biased on one specific theory. Like my my goal for this is to let people express their stories or or thoughts on the case. So many have their beliefs, so I'm putting them all on the on the table. This case hasn't been solved for 12 years. Even if like one's belief is so far-fetched, maybe there's one element of truth in their in their story, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I'm letting I'm letting everybody express their their thoughts on it just to see if maybe one thing comes out of that will help. <clears throat> so with with that being said, um if you would introduce yourself and when did you begin working at Camp Tuckaway? I actually started at camp in uh, February of 2009. Okay. So I'd just been there uh, seven months before this happened. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, I was associated with the camp over the years. Um, I actually went to camp there in uh, 1970, 71. And I also was the... uh, caretaker there my junior and senior year in high school right um, and that was when that whole road was nothing but gravel mm-hmm. and it's after they paved it they cut a mile off the road to the camp the camp is now five miles off the road but it used to be six and it was it was founded in 1964 uh, and so it's been around a long time. Yeah. Uh, it celebrated 50 years while I was down there. A man from Roanoke bought the land and taught, met with our pastors mm-hmm. in a field and said, if you can have a camp up and running and in a year, uh, the land's yours. Wow. And <laughs> in 1965, they had their first camp. Nice. So, and it's, it's associated with the uh, CCCA, which is the Christian Camp and Conference Association. They endorse most Christian camps. The ACA, American Camping Association, endorses most Boy Scouts and Girl Scouts and other camps. And some of them are under both. But we have to meet some specific guidelines in order to do that. And, right. And one of them's not being crazy <laughs> <laughs> right right well i i really didn't mean to offend you at all um that that call really caught me off guard and i just thought it was interesting enough to you know throw it out there so yeah i really didn't mean to offend you <clears throat> well I, i'm not easily offended but uh, almost from day one of the murders mm-hmm. Camp Tuckaway has been in the limelight and other than the fact that it's on the same road there was no reason for that to be yeah. um, you know in, in particular the media wanted somebody to talk to mm-hmm. uh, it was hard to get down the, the Caldwell fields they pretty much had the road all tied up down there Yeah, and um and we were available. Mm-hmm. Um, we actually ended up, you've been to the camp, I ended up parking the 
camp truck. We didn't have a gate or anything then, but I parked the camp truck in the middle of the bridge just to keep people from coming in to try to talk to the band members and, and the band director. And, really? uh, so it was a real pain there for a while. Well, tell me about um, if you can remember certain specifics of the night it happened. Were you there that well, night? Yeah, the night the night it happened, uh, the the band found us. So this was the first year the band came. It was also ended up being the last year mm-hmm. um, because they didn't come back. Um, the camp that they normally had gone to was up in West Virginia, and they had an electrical problem and shut down two weeks before they were supposed to have camp. At, and so Salem got hold of us, and, and uh, we ended up sponsoring them and bringing them to them. Uh, camp, for the camp, it was the best, it was actually the most profitable week, though we're non-profit, we still have to make money. Uh, yeah. It was the best week we ever had, and they admit, they readily admitted that it was the best they ever ate. It was, it was the least expensive to get the kids there because we were just 45 minutes from Roanoke. Yeah. And, uh, and so it was all good. And my normally volunteer staff, I was the only employee, uh, that cooked for my camps, uh, came and cooked for, for the band camp. Mm-hmm. And so I knew, I knew my staff, they knew their camp, their, their band members. Uh, it was actually a fun week. They're, they were very well disciplined, very well. And they were every night laid out on the field. They were practicing for their fall retreat or their fall uh, band performance that mm-hmm. they would do at halftime. Right. And so, and, and the director was, I mean, he ruled that place. He didn't let any of them horse around, play around, or anything else. Right. Um, so that night, there was nothing unusual. Uh, I was actually having problems with the pool, and my house is right across the street from the camp. You, you passed it when we went down there. Yeah. Or was. That's where I did live. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had problems with pool, and uh, I would... I'd left a valve open and it drained about a foot and a half out of the out of the pool, and so I was up most of the night until that thing got filled back up. Right. Uh, so I was back and forth a few times. Again, I didn't notice anything. Uh, they also had a guy that stayed up uh, during the night just to make sure that nothing that wasn't supposed to happen happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they had boys and girls there in separate cabin areas. Um, and so there was nothing out of the ordinary uh, that we saw. Yeah. Uh, and then we were cooking breakfast, and, and the, the mess hall looks out over the valley. I can see the road and everything else looking out windows from the back of the mess hall. And I'm helping in the kitchen, and I'm seeing police cars galore going down the road. Yeah. And just about the time 
uh, I was noticing them, I got a phone call from a lady down on the Craig Creek side of the road, mm-hmm. or the Craig County side. Um, that that road runs about 10 miles in Montgomery County and runs another 10 miles in Craig County. Uh, and it's the only road through that valley. And one of one of the ladies down in Craig Valley had her group rented the camp in March. They were actually my first group when I took over. And uh, she called me and said, do you know what's happening at Caldwell Fields? I said, I have no idea, but there sure is a lot of cop cars. Yeah. And she explained to me that her cousin was on the Craig County Sheriff's and uh, he had stopped on his way and told her what was going on. And so she told me what was happening. Um, And of course I told my staff, but then I went straight to the uh, band director to let him know, because I know, I knew he was going to have a problem. Yeah. uh, with a public school and a shooting and, and everything else that that was going on. And so I let him know. He let his people know. They pretty much went into lockdown. I think, think at the beginning they sent them all back to their cabins mm-hmm. uh, and, and rather than be in the mess hall. Um, and we immediately started trying to find out what was going on. And... We couldn't find out anything. We called the dispatcher of, of the county, um, and they knew little. And you have to understand, Caldwell Fields, at that time, that was still dirt road. There was still three miles of dirt road right. uh, between that ran past the fields. And there was no cell phone reception down there. Yeah. And their radios really didn't work to, to contact uh, Christianburg. Mm-hmm. And um, so they were little of no help, not that they would have told us much of anything anyway, because they didn't know who we were. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we finally, in, in talking with the uh, band director, I said, hop in the truck, we'll just go down and talk to whoever's in charge. Yeah. And and we did that, and, and I'm pretty sure, uh, though it's been 12 years, uh, I'm pretty sure I talked to Sheriff Witt. Oh, really? Uh, which would have been the first time I met him. Mm-hmm. Uh, whoever I talked to was the guy in charge, and there was plenty. I, you could not see the parking lot right? Uh, for all the vehicles parked along the road. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, they, they pretty much said, you know, they had a murder. They're fairly certain that whoever it was is long gone. And at that point in time, they didn't feel like there was any need for us to evacuate the area. Right. And, and our lockdown would be fine. And, and if that changed, they'd let us know. And that's pretty much how we, how we left it. Um, so that same day they, they didn't come, uh, Ask you, ask you all any questions? Uh, no, not that day. Okay. Uh, I've been interviewed. <laughs> I, I lost track how many times I've I'm sure. 
uh, including the bulldog, which I remember that. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, the, uh, they said they'd let us know. Uh, I think we actually took them down some bottled water later on that afternoon. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the band ended up staying. Uh, had a number of calls from parents uh, that we had to handle. Uh, concerned about their kids once everything got hit the airways, which didn't take long. Uh, and and even, even with my truck parked there, uh, a reporter from Roanoke Times was caught right in the middle of the band field when they were practicing, <laughs> trying to get an interview. Wow. And, and we had to usher him off the property. And so... The media drove us nuts from day one. Yeah, uh, I'm sure. And and again, you know, we had absolutely nothing other than the fact that we're there. Yeah. Uh, and they wanted somebody to talk to. Um, now, did, did, did David ever work there? Because people keep bringing that no. up. Okay. No, he never worked there. I'll guarantee you that. He never worked there. Was he ever uh, the interested? Only, the only possibility, the only possibility, and again, I only came in the spring. Yeah. Uh, we have... You there? Can you take... I can't hear you. <laughs> I got I think you. he was part of part of a crew which is Campus Crusade for Christ Okay. Uh, and I think they have done retreats there but whether it was during the time frame he was there I have no idea Okay. Uh, that wasn't one of the Christian groups that were co- that started coming when I got there okay. um, but most of them that did come knew him um, and, and yeah I'm I'm as anxious as anybody for this thing to be solved because yeah. for, I lost uh, retreat that had already been scheduled for the fall. They canceled. Uh, and just about every group in there over the next six, seven, eight years asked, have they ever solved that? And I always had to answer no, you know? Yeah. Uh, but... Um, they ended up staying the week. Uh, they had a final night that was very well attended by the parents. For I don't know, they they do the show for the parents the last night, and we had over three hundred people. Oh wow! Uh, extra, other than the hundred and fifty <laughs> that were already there as part of the, the band, so it was it was pretty busy. Yeah. Um, and I had to answer lots of questions. Of, most of which I didn't know the answers to. Yeah. But uh, they were there. Um, after that, uh, the the stuff you saw when you pulled in the driveway um, was all up in the next uh, 30 days. We put a, a gate up. We put cameras up. That's what I was going to – that's what I was going to ask if, uh, if those were set up after all of this happened. Yeah, it, it was after all that happened, in part because one of the first questions I got from from uh, the sheriff's office was, "Do you guys have any cameras?" Yeah. Uh, 
Now, when when you pulled into the driveway, now I don't know whether they're all still working now, mm-hmm. but uh, you were caught on at least three cameras, maybe four, <laughs> when you pulled into that driveway. Well, and it it uh, it takes pictures of every car that goes by yeah. the camp. <laughs> okay. Uh, in in fact, uh, just about three years ago, we. We helped solve a uh, a crime spree that was happening in our neighborhood. Really? Because, because they were afraid that the, the guy ended up pleading guilty because he knew they had all kinds of stuff, including our video right. of his car in the area. But uh, so it's 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 served its purpose. Oh yeah. But you also, what, the other thing that a whole lot of people don't understand was just all the mess that was going on right at that point mm-hmm. um, now we had uh, neighbors only uh, cookout on on Labor Day weekend which would have been two weeks after it Yeah, uh, that did not get out to the public uh, we actually mailed them a card and just gave them to the mailman and he put them in every mailbox for us mm-hmm of people that lived in Montgomery County. And and it was just a neighborly get-together. Hey, we're in this together. Um, the meeting that... Uh, I don't think the Bulldog knew about that one. Okay. But he would have known about the one that we had in October, and that was with the sheriff. Okay. Uh, and we did that in part because Craig County did the same thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's... there's uh, fire station on the Craig County side and they had a big community meeting Um, and I went down to that one and they answered a a lot of questions and uh, but it was there that I found out that there was a major crime spree going on at that same time Uh, now that couple that was doing that ended up getting arrested and sent to jail and they were not part of the murders Uh, three weeks after the murders uh, there was a little country church down in Craig County on our road that uh, was burnt down by an arsonist Mm. Uh, they also speculated that that he had something to do but they, they caught him and he also went to jail so there was a whole lot of things going on it would not have been a good time to <laughs> to go door to door looking for people right because <laughs> in that neighborhood <laughs> they took care of themselves yeah and uh, they didn't like strangers yeah. um, anyway I was I was interviewed numerous times um I can't remember every which one. Most of the time, it was either uh, what eventually ended up mostly being a state trooper and an FBI agent, and they would just pick my mind to know to see if I remembered anything else about what went on uh, along the road or up that night. Uh, and. When the bulldog showed up, I was just coming out, and he was on one side of that gate, and I was on the other. And and I made the comment. I was surprised 
I was new to the area, I was surprised that, that I wasn't a suspect. And that's when he brought up the fact that I'd moved there from Ohio and that uh, two pastors in my denomination had just gone to jail or were arrested and were about to go to jail for molesting uh, girls. Right. And and it and I might that comment said my reaction to that comment was huh <laughs> if they did suspect me because both of those men uh, they weren't close friends of mine but I knew them yeah uh, because we we had in the past traveled around in, in some of the same circles um, but anyway um, that's interesting <laughs> I. I did always, you know, not to disparage what he said, uh, the bulldog said, I always had the impression when he talked to with me that he was being represented, um, not necessarily paid by, but he representing one of the families, but he didn't say which. Right. Uh, and he, he alluded that he, he really wasn't, and, and that may be true. Yeah. Um, now, the only scary place on that road that I've ever been to that gave me the chills was that road right across from Caldwell Fields. The one that, that talked about. Yeah, the one that leads up to the. It actually goes almost to the top of the mountain. Okay. And I've driven up that road twice, and and both times there was somebody camping out and you just got um, a weird feeling. Right. And, and you turned around and went back down the road pretty quick. <laughs> yeah, um, when I went up when I went up there to visit uh, the area, I saw that road and I didn't drive up it, but um, yeah, I could see it being a little sketch. Uh, now, as far as his theory that they parked up around the bend and, and came down and around, mm-hmm. I don't see that happening. Okay. In part because anybody going out that up that road would have been immediately noticed by anybody in the parking lot at Caldwell Fields. Right. Now, if you go on by Caldwell Fields, there's a pull-off after you get out of sight, but it's right there at the end of Caldwell Fields. That I would believe, and right. that would be an easy way to come up along the creek and come right up on the on the back side of the of, of the parking lot. Uh, that, if anything, if they snuck around, you're talking about dusk or dark, mm-hmm. and and it's not any place down there to be fun walking around at dark. Right. An interesting side note. My daughter was home for the summer. She had just gone back to college in Ohio Mm -hmm. two weeks before all this happened. But all summer long, just about every night, my wife and my daughter drove down to Caldwell Fields looking for deer Mm -hmm. and turned around there and went back. And so it it actually felt very personal to me when we thought, when we thought about that 
Yeah. Uh, because they had just stopped doing that two weeks before. Right. Uh, and only because my daughter went back to school early. Right. Um, so I ended up giving a DNA sample. Uh, they said they had DNA samples that's been kicked around. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they took DNA from anybody on the road that was a male and willing to give it. Now, they may very well have just said they wanted a DNA sample just to see if people refused it. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, I wasn't smart enough to tell them no. But so they now have my DNA. If I ever do anything else wrong over the years, they'll catch me right away. <laughs> um, um, now. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was just uh, seeing if that was maybe your theory on it um or if you have like more to add to what you think happened that night well uh, i have no theory mm-hmm. uh it it makes a little sense to me that it was a person from the area mm-hmm. in that they had to know the lay of the land yeah um it doesn't make sense to me that it was somebody with a vendetta against Virginia Tech students and they followed them in. Uh, you really didn't pay that much attention to cars going by. Mm-hmm. Uh, the locals, to be honest with you, most of them didn't go to the to the gun range. Okay. Uh, those were mostly people up there that... Uh, were from outside of, of the valley. Uh, in our valley, if you wanted to go shoot guns, you went out your back door and just shot guns. Exactly. Um, you, you didn't need a rifle range, and, and quite frankly, the one or two times I drove back, I would never use it, but I drove back in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, that didn't work just because nobody was practicing safe gun etiquette right um, in, in the 10 years 11 years that I was down there there was two fires starting from there mm. because they were shooting at propane tanks and everything else Jeez, it was just stuff you didn't I wasn't interested in being around it because they no. got a little crazy sometimes right right uh, um I'm trying to. I know. I know it's been a while. Uh, I tried to take a couple notes, but um, yeah. I'm just. I'm just glad that you. you. Okay, go ahead. Um, The last interview uh, was a state trooper and the FBI agent. And, and this one goes along with what you normally deal with. Okay. That I don't put a lot of stock into. Okay. But uh, this, the, the state trooper had interviewed me three or four times up to this point. And he was getting ready to leave. And uh, he said, I've always wanted to ask you a question. I said, well, go ahead. He says, 
when I was coming in, he says, I wasn't first in the scene. I was later than most everybody else. He says, when I passed the camp, there was a guy standing out by the road with a rifle dressed in fatigues, camouflage. He says, was that one of your people? And I said, nope. Mm. Um, and nobody knows who he was or if he was, but he saw him. Really? We didn't see him. But uh, he just figured it was somebody out there that uh, decided they needed to protect those kids over the camp. And I just kind of figured he saw what he wanted to see or needed to see. And whether it was God that put somebody out there to make sure nobody else messed with us, I have no idea. Yeah. That's interesting. That gave me goosebumps. (laughs) Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't anybody associated with with the band or anybody else if they were out there. Yeah. Uh, or associated with the camp, but he saw somebody and it was right at the entrance and I can tell you nothing happened at the entrance that day that we didn't take notice of. Right. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That 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 is very interesting. Um well I wanted to thank you again for setting the record straight from what you heard what people heard the the last episode and i'm glad that you you defended the the area because i didn't want to offend anybody my goal is not to offend anybody it's just to report on what is what is said you know but but i i Go ahead. I got to know the area over the years. Uh, I, I There's a cemetery on the property that we documented, mm-hmm. uh, my daughter and I, and then we documented over 23 family cemeteries on that road. Oh, wow. Uh, and as part of that, got to know the history a whole lot. Yeah. Uh, love the area, uh, but it, there is... There is a whole lot of stories that fit right along. Right, right. With, with what you sort of do, um, I uh, I was there when when they started looking for Nicole. Yeah. Um, and that was going on for a few days, and I was actually on my way to church one morning uh, when down near. Uh, the first house in from 460 um, there was all kinds of cop cars um, and my wife hadn't gone to church with me that, that week and when I got home I said I have a feeling that that g- little girl is going to end up something happening on our road because there sure was a large pre- yeah. police presence and, and that ended up being where she was killed she was dumped down in North Carolina but she was killed on Great Creek right uh, and it's real easy to figure out where it is now because the the property that she was killed on uh, the house is way up 
the side of the mountain a little bit. But okay. uh, he had been on vacation, and when he got home and found out what happened there, that whole front of his property is now clear. Yeah. <laughs> it was just a bunch of brush and, and a mess yeah. uh, when they stopped there and, and did what they did. But she won't get away with that now because she won't yeah. let that happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I'm sure I will. I will get to that case, and I'd love to talk to you again about that um, whenever I do. The other, the other, the, that mass murder that grew up on Craig Creek. Um, I did get hold of a friend because I had never heard of until I moved up here. I never heard about the guy, yeah. uh, Lucas. Um, and he told me where he lived, so I know where his house was. And it wasn't far off of 460. Oh, really? Uh, it would have been, uh, as you go down the road past the uh, the um, gun range, the next uh, gate right. up into the National Forest is where that house was that he grew up in. Um, is it still there? No, no, it's long gone. Okay, uh, and I don't, e- I don't even remember it when I was there in the seventies. I don't remember a house being there. Oh, okay. Um, that was actually all landfill back then. Yeah, uh, and they turned it over to the gun range. Hmm. That's about it. Yeah. Anything else you want to know that I can answer? Give me a holler. Uh, well, thank, thank you again not- for talking. So this this is the fourth time Camp Tuckaway was mentioned in your <laughs> podcast. Hopefully it won't happen again. Uh, because they had nothing to do with it other than being full of people that they could be interviewed. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you set the record straight for that. All right. Thank you for what you're doing. Well, th- I well, hope it, well thank I you hope for helping because you're helping. All right. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. Thank you, Roy. Bye. So that was Roy explaining his part on the Camp Tuckaway conspiracy and his experience during the 2009 murders. Um, thank you, Roy, for being on. It, it helps a lot. And thank you guys for listening. This is uh, becoming a bigger thing than I thought. Um I'm going to leave the episode with this one hotline call from a lady named Jenny who wanted to tell um, her thoughts on the show, her thoughts on the the Caldwell Field story, and I think she has something else to talk about. So I'm going to end the show with that. Make sure if you like the show to five star on Apple Podcasts and subscribe. That helps the show out through the algorithm and it will lead the podcast up the charts. It will let other people be able to see it so they can 
listen to the Cobblefield story. Maybe they know something about it. Maybe they don't. Maybe they're just interested in it. So um, you can call the hotline, 540-358-1583. You can email the podcast at crypticfilespodcast at gmail.com. Follow the Facebook private group account. That is where I post detailed information on the cases, on the episodes. Um, I have an Instagram at Cryptic Files Podcast. Just thank you all for listening and watch your back. It's cryptic out there.
I freaked out. Um, the friend that was with us of uh, the group, he overnight camped a lot, and he actually had a, um, I can't remember if it was a pistol or what it was, but he had a gun with him, and they had a German Shepherd, so they were like, we're going to stay, we're not bothered, and I was like, well, I want to get the F out of here, because I'm freaked out. So we ended up hiking back out at about one in the morning, and it was like lightly raining. Um, we, this was back in, like I said, 2009, we didn't have iPhones or anything, so I remember we were using the light feature, like a camera feature, to light our pathway as we hiked out of the um, section where Dragon's Tooth is on the AT, and we got back to the parking lot, um, the car that was in the woods had all the doors wide open and the light on. And like I said, this is probably like 1.30 at this time. Um, I, to, even right off on the story, it, the feeling that I had at that time, I was so scared. I had no idea why that would even be the case. Um, who would have even been near that vehicle? Anyway, we got into the car, we drove back to Blackford. I think it's about 45 minutes to get back to the area. However, it wasn't even until recently that I looked up the location of where Caldwell Fields is because like you said, and other people have told you, I live here, I'm very familiar with the area, I've never gone out there. We go and hike Sandapas every now and then, which is on the other side of the exit at 460 that you would go to Caldwell Fields, but I've never had any interest in going on the Crime Creek side. Um, anyway, so we, when I looked up that location though, the Catawba and where that hiking area are to Dragon's Tooth and how far you go on Crimes Creek to get to Caldwell Hills, I think they're only maybe like 12 miles apart. It was a lot closer than it seems when you drive 81 to get to that location. Um, so that story I've reported to several people. It always just sat wrong with me. Um, but again, thank you for your efforts and can't wait to uh, hopefully have some rest for not only the, the parents, but their siblings and their friends, um, anyone who knew them, I never personally knew them, but just with all the tragedy that kind of looms over our region, it would just be really nice to have this case closed and not have to worry about why there can't be a resolution. Um, so again, uh, take care. Talk to you later. Bye.